32 nations who all share the same dream, from Brazil to Belgium, Qatar to Cameroon. A World Cup that presents unique challenges, but still a tournament that features the brightest and best from all over the planet. The greatest show on turf is about to begin. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. If you haven't watched it yet, make sure you check out our World Cup preview with Glenn Hoddle and Patrice Evra. Some fascinating insights ahead of the tournament that's showing on our YouTube channel. You can also get it uh, through the usual channels and indeed betting.betfair.com as well. Mark O'Hare was the betting brain for that particular show. He's on duty again today. Mark, no messing around today. We're going straight into the betting. We're going to start with the outright winner market for the World Cup. Up. Who do you think we should be looking at? Who's a good option to win the thing? Who maybe is somebody that we could get a good trade on? Something along those lines. Yeah, so I mean, I've come into this competition uh, trying to sort of analyse each team individually, uh, look at the draw, look at the schedule and see how we can try and get them on side or oppose them. And I think it's very difficult to, to split the top two of the market in terms of Brazil and Argentina. They both offer something different, but they also offer... Um, yeah, they're, they're both basically the, the, the two form teams. And, and if you're trying to pick out flaws in, in every side in this competition, everyone's got a fault somewhere along the line, which is fantastic. It should make for an open competition. But I think Brazil and Argentina perhaps have the, the fewest of those flaws. I think they're probably the furthest down the line in terms of progression and uh, what they're exactly trying to look for from this competition. So from a Brazilian perspective, they were very, very unfortunate four years ago against Belgium in the quarterfinals. That was only two years into Chi-Chi's reign. Uh, this is now his final tournament. He's won everything there is to win. He's a hugely respected head coach over in South America. It just feels like this squad is now starting to come to the fore, really. Uh, the defence, although individually might not look the most outstanding on paper, I think collectively and systematically, they're very, very strong. And going forward, we all know about the options they have in attack. And, you know, I think it's quite telling that during South American qualifying, they didn't just breeze it. They scored 13 goals more than Argentina, who have been the ones talked about and talked up quite a lot in the last six months. And, and Argentina's price has collapsed since June. They were 11 to 1 back in, in summer. Uh, it's what, 6 and a 6.5 now ish, ish, possibly 6 to 1 on the exchange. Uh, that's a, a significant move, and understandably so, really. Um, 35 games unbeaten. If they go through the group stage unbeaten, they'll break Italy's record. Um, I guess that the big issue for both teams is they haven't been tested outside of their own continent, really. But um, I, I kind of flip that back at people and say, well, you know. South American qualifying is probably the toughest qualifying on the planet, really. Uh, it's not just the fact you have to play home and away in this marathon sort of uh, preliminaries. It's the fact you have to go to altitude. You have to play in all sorts of different venues, quite often in the searing heat as well. So these teams are, are robust, and I think both of them have got a, a bitey, sort of tetchy nature about their midfield. They're able to win those battles, but they've got superstar quality in forward areas too. So people often look to teams who are defensively sound and solid. To, to try and get through because obviously we need a bit of luck to go the whole distance but I think if you've got a sprinkling of superstars in the forward areas you know it's almost at the perfect match really and I think that's where Brazil and Argentina stand out so the Argentina individually and defensively 
don't look outstanding, do they? I mean, you look at uh, potentially Otamendi playing at centre-half and people might turn their nose up at that. But I just think the system there suits them superbly under Scaloni. And Lo Celso is a big blow. It uh, does kind of miss that link between midfield and, and the forward areas. But I just think when you've got Messi in form and fit, which is, hasn't been too often in, during World Cups, you've got an outstanding goalkeeper now uh, and a defensive collective, which is you know playing to their potential, I guess. Um, you know, It's difficult to look beyond those two. But in terms of outsiders... Um, Denmark, again, I've, I've talked about them enough over the last two years, but um, I'm, I've still got that little love affair going along there. We're going to start threes. calling you Marco Herr Olsen soon. <laughs> yeah, I love Denmark um, and Uruguay as well, around 50s. But the issue with both of those two teams as dark horses, if you want to call them that, is the draw, really. If they don't win their groups, it's looking like uh, a last 16 tie against Brazil or Argentina for, for vice versa, really. So it's imperative, really, that they, uh, or for Denmark, they topple France in that group, which they have done twice already this year. Uh, and Uruguay get the better of a Portugal team who I, I just have my doubts uh, about right now. So, yeah, that's my, uh, my sort of uh, portfolio for you. The professor of punting, esteemed scholar and trader, Jason Murphy, is back in the building. Jason, great to have you back. The point that Mark makes is a really interesting one and a really important one because it's all very well looking at the groups, but you have to look beyond that. And I take England as an example. If England were to win their group, in theory, they're on a more straightforward side of the draw than if they were to finish runners-up in their group. Of course, that's assuming that teams like Brazil and Argentina win their groups, and that might not happen. But in theory, winning that group for England is very, very important. In, in theory, it is. And they got that nice slice of luck, I think, at the 2018 World Cup with the run that they had. Um, OK, Colombia weren't easy, but then to um, have Sweden then in the quarterfinals and Croatia then was actually, when they met, actually what was considered a really good team. They went out and they could get similar, but it's it's in their hands to top the group. Um, what, I'd, what I'd say about England, I might as well get it out of the way now. Um, in terms of pricing up this World Cup, there's a lot of factors we have to consider and it's quite different to the Euros. So one of the things that's massive is the preparation time. It's a really short run into the tournament. Now, Mark ticked right boxes there in terms of Brazil and Argentina. They know exactly what they're about. I'm going to tell you why I think they're too short shortly. Um, but Spain know what they're about as well. I'm going to tell you why I think Spain are the best bet. But England are not at that stage, and I don't think they have time to get it right. He, he tried playing a 3-4-3 against Italy in the UEFA, UEFA Nations League, and it looked like a complete disaster. If you're playing a 3-4-3, to come out from the back, you need to know sets patterns of play, and they just yeah. did not look. And they got the ball to Reese James. It just ended up with Reese James on the right, and he's that good that he could make things happen. But they don't have him this time around. So... I think for the first round of group games, because of that short run into the tournament, there's some teams that are particularly vulnerable that they won't be at their best and could be, you know, you could see a couple of upsets according to the odds in the first round of group games and England could be one of them. Whereas the like of Brazil, Brazil don't play into the last game and they're already well set up. So I think Serbia are a good team, but less chance of seeing an upset there. But England very much, if the top their group, absolutely it could work out in their favour. But I wouldn't even get carried away at that stage. I think England just need to get out of the group first and foremost and then deal with what happens after that. Um, in terms of compiling the odds for a World Cup, really, really difficult. And we've seen Brazil and Argentina shortening the betting. Absolutely agree with Brazil going off favourites. They'll have the best 11, arguably the best squad, know exactly what they're about. Argentina, phenomenal record that run that they're on at the moment. 
But when it comes to pricing international football, it's not like domestic football. If you take a 20-team league, you have 380 games in that season over a relatively short nine-month period to really get a good comparison of teams and closing prices. International football doesn't come anywhere near close to that. And comparing two continents such as South America and European, we just haven't had any of the games we normally would have as well because of the UEFA Nations League. So I think the market has gotten slightly wrong judging that gap between the likes of Brazil and Argentina and the best of Europe. I think maybe the market is overreading into the playing conditions. You know, we'd have to have faith in the technology in the stadiums that might not be as difficult as you might think. Okay, you have to live in those conditions for a couple of weeks. I think the likes of a Belgium centre-back pair like Alderweireld for Tongan, given their age, they might struggle over a couple of weeks if, the, if Belgium lasts that long. But I just think the gap between South America and the Europeans has been read wrong at the market at the moment. Brazil rightly fav too short. And Spain, at what is now actually more than twice the price, been saying this the last couple of weeks, Spain at nearly twice the price. They are now bigger than twice the price for all the reasons I've outlined. They know what they're about. They've been excellent 11 and squad, no star players that can rotate and they play possession football. Okay, They'll press, they'll win the ball back, but they'll keep it as well and that will suit them as well in these conditions and they were the best team at Euro 2020. So Spain at twice the price would definitely be my bet and I'd have a look. Denmark is, we'll probably talk to them when we get to the group stage, but definitely agree with Mark on Denmark too. Just to point on Spain, is part of it, Jason, because they're in a group with Germany and so there's a little bit of doubt whether they'd win the group. It's quite a hard group anyway. Costa Rica are awkward. Japan have some quality players. Is, does that play into it at all, do you think? No, I don't think so because of what they'll meet when they come over. Um, if you look at Spain's to qualify price, it's as short as like any other strong standout five in right. any of the other groups. So they're fully expected to have the same chance of coming out. And whether they top the group or finish second, um, what they'll meet coming out, Group G, it's hard to know what's going to top that group or finish second there as well. So likewise, you could finish second in Group B with Spain, but actually get a favourable result coming out of the other group. Um, so it's uh, it's factored in the outright price. It's factored in. It's not that um, it's not that they think Spain have a particularly difficult group to get out, and that that's what's feeding into this outright price. And the shortening that we've seen in Brazil and Argentina, it's not that like one of the European nations we've seen a massive chunk on outer prices, like. Everyone down the market has drifted in the last couple of weeks from what the prices were in June or, you know, when the draw was done. But Spain is one team that hasn't been part of that drift. Germany, Netherlands, Portugal, Belgium, for all different reasons, um, have moved and tended to move backwards. But Spain have held steady at their price. So who's ever driving the Brazil-Argentina price, it's to like those teams, they don't like the European teams, but they think Spain is, is pretty good and the best of the European teams now. Yeah, it'd be fascinating to see how Spain get on. Of course, uh, we've seen uh, that Jason's quite right. They play the best football probably at the European Championship, but it's whether they can score those goals. Now, no World Cup preview would be complete without the dashing doctor of data himself, Jake Hoskathorpe from InfoGoal. He's been draping the XG robots in bunting and flags. Uh, Jake, which are your smart bets in the winner market? Um. Yeah, it's hard to add too much to what the guys have said. Um, I had a very pro-Argentina stance a couple of weeks ago, but as Jason said, the price has really crashed. Um, I think they were eleven to one last year, and and you know seven to one a couple of weeks ago. You're now getting around eleven to two, maybe slightly bigger on the exchange. Um, I think that's a bit too short to back now, so I'll be taking a, a, a slightly different pro-Argentina approach, which um, you know revolves around the main man, Lionel Messi. Um, I just think the price of him to win the Golden Ball. 
um, is, I think it was around 9.6 on the exchange. That makes more sense to me than backing Argentina to win the competition because if Argentina do go deep, do get to the final, it's a narrative-driven award generally um, and with it being Messi's last World Cup and the fact that he will have obviously played a massive part in getting them there. I think that makes a lot more sense than just taking Argentina to win to actually take Messi to win the Golden Ball. Um, I, I have massive concerns about Spain. I know what Jason's saying there about the the potential to to really cause problems. We've got a fight already. Brilliant. Okay. Yeah, I just yeah. I just don't trust them defensively. <laughs> you know, at the at the Euros, yeah, they played some really good football, but they were so easily exposed at the back. And you know, you look at the players that they've picked there. Eric Garcia's made the squad, and you know, alerts, alerts, Eric Garcia, alerts. I yeah. don't understand. I don't yeah. understand. There's a chance he plays. People as well, obviously isn't there? see something I don't. You know, and I hold my hands up to that. Luis Enrique is a wonderful coach. Other coaches think he's great. I don't see it myself, but there we go. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same lines as you, Kev. Um, yeah, that, that's my main question mark about Spain. It really is. Um, I actually find it really difficult since the price changes to nail uh, colours to, to, to master. I just think that Brazil are, they are um, rightly short favourites. Um, I wouldn't be opposing them because I think that they're, like their, their defensive record in South American qualifying was unbelievable. They allowed just 0.44 expected goals against per game, which is just ridiculous. Um, and if they can continue that kind of form into this World Cup, then, you know, when you get to those knockout rounds, that defensive process becomes even more important because, you know, it can be concede a goal, you go home. And if they're a team that are conceding very few chances on a regular basis, then their chances of going home are going to be very slim. So um, they, they they do scare me in the outright market. But as Jason said, I think they're too short to back at this stage. Um, so, yeah, my only real play, as I've said, is is just... Now that Argentina's price is gone, it's just take Argentina with the golden ball. Um, all the reasons Mark said, I'm a very pro Argentine. I think they've got, they've shown with that long unbeaten run that that you know that they are a very difficult team to beat, and and that was proven in Copa America. They've got an international tournament under their belts, um, which is another massive positive. Messi's banging form. They've got some key players coming back to fitness. Di Maria, obviously, um, he scored a couple of goals in a friendly last night. Yeah. Um, so he's he's looking fit and, and and ready to go. There are there is that massive question mark of Otamendi, which I think is, you know, we know he's going to have one Rick this tournament. It's just when it comes, if it comes in the first group game when they're three 0 up, or if it comes in the you know semi final that sees them knocked out. Uh, but yeah, they, they were they were the team I was really hot on. Um, so I, I'm still trying to take a pro Argentina stance in whatever way I can. Just... Oh, go on, Jason. Yeah, no, just to say, like, you, you can criticise Spain's defence and have concerns over it, but I think you can nearly pick someone out of any backline at the World Cup that, that you'd have concern whether it's the yes, release for France. That's definitely true. Definitely the Nidio for Brazil, I, I wouldn't rate. Um, so I take that fully on board, but the fact that Spain will have the ball a lot reduces the opportunity for the other team to score. And I know Kevin and Mark have done some excellent write-ups as well on, on betting dot Betfair, and I think someone mentioned that. Spain have scored in their last 20 games, the only like the longest run of any team going there. So I'd be confident that they'll create the chances and someone in the front three will take them. So can I can I just intervene? One one quick thing. Because I, I really like Spain and, and when after the Euros, I was like, Spain are going to be the team I'm going to back at the World Cup for sure, for all the reasons you've outlined. I went back to the Euros, and whilst we all go Spain were the best team at the Euros, Spain should have won the Euros. Completely agree with all that. But Surprisingly, kind of reviewing Euros back again, Spain won one game in 90 minutes at the Euros, which is bonkers, right? Yeah. They won one match at the Euros. <laughs> they drew every other game in 90 minutes, and that was against Slovakia. They beat them 5-0, wasn't it? That's so, the yeah. concern, though, isn't it? Because I, I, I totally get what Jason's saying about that 
they create lots of chances. I I worry with them that you are relying on Morata to have one of his streaks where he is scoring goals. And if he isn't, if he's on one of those horrible cold streaks where the whole thing weighs down on him and he looks, you know, like he's ready to quit the whole thing, that that worries me because they have lots of good kind of wide-ish forwards, guys like Ferran Torres, who I like very much. But I'm not sure, Sarabia's good, but I'm not sure you can hang your hat on any of those as an absolute dead-eyed finisher. And that would be my my concern about them, that I think a lot of it hinges on Morata being the finisher we know he can be, but whether he actually will be, we'll see. But that takes us nicely on, actually. Two goal scorers and the golden boot. Harry Kane uh, at the top of the market, the England skipper. Of course, he took that honour in Russia four years ago. Jason, who would stand out to you here in this market, do you think? Um, ask you a quick question, actually. Uh, who's the only player to have won the Golden Boot but never played beyond the group stages? Oh, but never played beyond the group stages. Salenko, isn't it? Ah, yes. Yes. I, I I was researching him the other day. I should have known that, <laughs> actually. People of a certain yes. vintage, I think. Um, we got five in one game, didn't he, against Cameroon? Uh, I think. Yeah, he's a ridiculous group stages. Like, yeah. Um, so... What I'll say about the Golden Boot, the reason I bring that up is that it's not usually front of the market that tends to win it over the, you know, if we go back as far as 94, like Harry Kane won it, Ronaldo won it 2002. Um, but the other kind of winners, Thomas Muller, Miroslav Klose, James Rodriguez, like there's upsets there. So I think if you're looking in the Golden Boot, I'd, I'd rather be backing something at bigger prices with a bit of each way in them. Um. So Lautaro Martinez, I've been saying it for a couple of months. I know Mark is keen on him, so I'll probably let Mark speak to that. But if Messi's not scoring chances, like he'll be setting them up for Martinez, I think it's a great bet. And with any golden boot selection, you want to back on a team you think is going to go far. Uh, Spain, <laughs> Morata, 40-1 there on the exchange. I think if he starts well, I think there's going to be, that's that's a real good bet to have. That's when the you... key, isn't it? If, he, if yeah. his confidence is flowing, then every chance. Yeah, and like you say, you want to have a bit of cannon fodder in the group. No disrespect to Japan and Costa Rica, but there's the opportunity there for him to get a couple of goals and put him right in this race. That 40 to 1 could be well reduced come the end of the group stages. And just just to pick up on Spain, what Mark said, like you look at the results from the Euros, and yes, but if you actually go that granular detail that we do, like in every of those games, the war the best team. And when it did click, the put five against Slovakia, they conceded a freak goal against Croatia as well. That might have been very different in that game also. So they have to do it. They have to prove it. And it's all that run of variance. And if they get the, even if they get a fair run of variance, Spain will go far in this tournament. Murata will get two, three, four goals from the chances created. So him at 41 is well worth a look. And again, backing players at bigger prices on the outsiders. I think Christian Eriksen's going to be on penalties. I really like Denmark to go far. There's about 201 out there each way on him. He could be that likes of, uh, might not be as advanced as Yamez Rodriguez, but there could be just that run of things that happens for Denmark where Ericsson gets a couple of goals and could place each way. Now, what have I got here? Oh, yeah. It's the Musiala megaphone. Hello. <laughs> yes. Now, Jamal Musiala, 140 in the golden boot market. Now, there's a few caveats here. It's not nailed down that he will start for Germany, but I think the form he's in and the fact they've looked a bit stodgy in some of their games, uh, certainly against Oman they did, and he didn't start that game. I don't even think he came on, actually. So 
I think that maybe lends itself to him having a chance of starting games for Germany. His form for Bayern is outrageously good. He's added goals to his game this season. And I just think in the way that they are going to play, he's going to get opportunities. So as a as a back to lay, 140 he was at uh, when I last looked at it. Uh, I think that certainly gives you an opportunity to, to have an interest later in the tournament. Jake, what would you go for? Um, I'd be leaning towards Memphis Depay at the at, with the Netherlands. I just think that his his price, yeah, it's shortened slightly in the last couple of weeks. Twenty to one, it was twenty five to one. Um, I'd still probably back that down to about eighteens. Um, you know, they're a very attack minded team, our Holland. They're in a very kind group, in my opinion, in which they could potentially yeah. rack up a few goals. Um, you know, they scored fourteen in six Nations League matches most recently, which is actually the most across the. the uh, the division, um, eight in three Euro, Euro 2020 games last season um, and 33 in 10 World Cup qualifiers. So they, they are generally very high scoring team. You're going to get four games out of them because I think they'll get out of the group. Um, and, and I like Jason said, when it comes to scoring goals, I think you know, there's two ways you can look at it. Someone who's going to go far or someone who's going to have a very, you know, a, a comfortable group stage where they can rack up three or four like Kane did at last World Cup. Yeah. Is his um, fitness a worry though, Jake? Memphis, well, a, he's barely played, is he? Yeah, yeah, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It's, it's the he's not played a lot, but he might be very fresh because of it compared to some of the players who've been, you know, relentless. He's playing a, a ridiculous schedule, so he, we don't know what we're going to. We know he's going to play because he's he's their number nine. We know he's going to be on penalties and, and probably set pieces as well, um, which only adds to, to to the hope that he has a good tournament. Um, yeah, I, I think that they could score, you know, five six goals in the group stage, and he could be on the end of three four of those. Then you've got a you know knockout round potentially against a USA, Wales, or an Iran team that maybe again they can rack up a few goals. So yeah, I thought that I thought it was an interesting price and um, yeah, something to flag up. Uh, yes, I think I put him forward in my golden boot piece on betting.betfair.com. So either I stole that from Jake or he stole it from me, or we both had the same idea. At yeah, we're both genius. Time. Don't worry. Yeah, exactly. Great minds, all that stuff. <laughs> um, Mark. We know you like Lautaro Martinez, and that makes a lot of sense. But he's another one I'd put, I'd file him in the kind of streaky finishes Morata category because when he's great, he's amazing. But he does have sometimes six, seven, eight games where he's not scoring goals. Yeah, I mean, another sort of slight negative against him is Betfair settled on on the golden boots rather than top goal scorer. So if there is a tie, um, I'm not imagining Martinez is going to you know snap up with a load of assists etc. Whereas Messi will do. So that, that's probably a, a negative against Lautaro. But you know during qualifying he equaled Messi's goal tally. They got they scored seven each. Yeah, he's what twice the price and some more than than Lionel Messi coming into this competition. A kind group stage draw as well. Got a great record under Scaloni. I just think he's a, a decent each way option if you fancy Argentina to go well. Completely agree with Musiala, hoping he starts. But uh, if you didn't want to back the, the outright, he's ten to one to be top Germany goal scorer, which is really appealing actually. Because I don't think the competition in that team is is massively strong. I think it could be a, a, a tournament where goals are spread around a little bit. It might not need a, a huge tally to take that on. Um, but yeah, Jason's already mentioned Ericsson at a huge price, which is annoying, but um, <laughs> four, four of the last 11 have been priced up at 100 to one or bigger pre-tournament. So the only other one that stood out and it's kind of conflicts against one of my views against this team, because I think Belgium may struggle, but uh, Michi Bashwai is 125 to one, and uh, he'll be starting for Belgium at the tournament because Romelu Lukaku isn't fully fit. 
However, however many games we get before Lukaku comes back into the fold, I don't know. But um, he is another very, very streaky finisher. He's had a, a reasonable campaign so far in Turkey, but his record for Belgium through the Nations League and under Martinez is actually really, really strong. I think he's averaging one in two at the minute. So, um, yeah, I think that group is, is really open and could be quite high scoring, could be really entertaining and enjoyable. So I wouldn't be too surprised to see Belgium score a few. We know about their, their ability in forward areas. It's defensively where you have concerns. But uh, if they get four games out of uh, out of Bashoi, you can expect him to score four or five goals potentially. So that puts you in the running for a place at a big price. So one of those players, Bashoi, very, very good. But every so often you completely forget he exists. Like he just completely disappears out of the consciousness. And you go, oh yes, he's playing for Belgium. He's very good. But he just vanishes from, from your mind for a few months at a time. We've got a very exciting offer, by the way, coming up ahead of the World Cups to do with the Golden Boot market. Bet £10 on the Golden Boot winner and get a free £2 bet every time they score or assist. Now that applies to the first bet placed on the Golden Boot market. Maximum £2 free bet per goal or assist. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. Now, the golden ball market is completely different because, as Jake has said, that's to do with the player of the tournament, not the top scorer. Jake has already mentioned Lionel Messi as an option if Argentina go deep or even win the thing. So, therefore, Neymar comes into that thinking as well, Jason, doesn't he? Because... You know, if Brazil go far, he's very showy. He's likely to do something, you know, along the way, whether it's assists or goals or what have you. So you've got to be thinking about him as well, haven't you, if you like Brazil? Yeah, definitely you'd be you'd be thinking Neymar. Um, I think that translates as well, like to the point Jake made earlier, that if Argentina and Brazil, if you're looking at their prices to win the World Cup and the price of Neymar and Messi in the golden ball, I'd be I'd be siding with them. But Neymar's this, 11 from what I saw. Yeah, um, could be 12.0 on the exchange at the moment. But the caveat with that is when was the last time we seen a player from the winner winning team actually win the golden ball? Oh, now, now that's a good question. So very much a runners-up award, isn't it? Ah, okay. Messi, Modric. Uh, forget oh, yes, of course. Modric won it last time, didn't he? Ah. Zidane won it, didn't he? Ah, so, three. so you think it's a political sop to the losers in the final, I see. Yeah, Diego Forlan didn't make the final. He actually won it as well, I think. And um, yeah. Ronaldo won it in 98 um, with Oliver Kahn in 2002. So you have to go back as far back as Romario in 94 before the last time you've seen the winning team actually have the award of Golden Ball being given to them. Khan was amazing in that tournament, to be fair. That German team, I was looking back at it, that German team was rubbish. How did they get to the final? Honestly, he was brilliant in that tournament. Oh, absolutely incredible keeper. Um, so I do think, though, that that trend will be booked if Brazil or Argentina win it, and you'd have to look at, at, at Neymar or Messi at the bigger prices. If you were only to back one, I'd actually I'd, I'd back Neymar at a slightly bigger price, given he's playing with the team. That's the short price to win it. Um the best tip I'd give in this at a at a really good price, there's sixty six to one available out there in places, is Pedri for Golden Ball. Um he's playing with a team that I expect to go far. And then if you think Spain are about twenty percent chance to make the final, if Spain are in the final, it's going to be because Pedri has had a really good tournament. He's one of those players that some players are if the team plays well, the player plays well. He's very much if he plays well, the team plays well. Yeah. Um so if he's in the final, like twenty percent chance. 
you know, whatever way you divide that down from 66 to one or whatever price you get, he's going to be a really shorter price. He's not going to be a double bigger f- price of Spain in the final to win Golden Ball. If you look at like a Euro 2020 semi final, the age that he is going out there against, you know, Verratti, Benucci, the players you're going up against, and he was incredible. Like he, he had like 61 out 62 completed passes, near perfection for 120 minutes. He, if people aren't already aware of him, like they're going to be very much know about Pedri after this tournament. Um, so at that price, I think I think he's an incredible shout. Um, so Neymar at the shorter prices if you're looking, but Pedri if you're looking for something for a bit of a bigger price and to kind of follow that trend that we've seen with this Golden Boot Award. Jason, or just a ball. little bit. Jason, just a little bit shy of getting out the castanets and giving us a bit of flamenco <laughs> at some stage. Been very pro Spain. He's wearing so red as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's the only bit of red clothing I had. I sell it. I tried. <laughs> an Australian yeah. jersey as well, but I don't think we fancied him to do anything. No, I don't, I don't think we do. Certainly not as much as we fancy Spain uh, in this tournament. And Mark, what have you got for us on the Golden Ball? Uh, nothing that the guys haven't already mentioned. Um, four of the last five winners have been 30 or over, age 30 or over. So veterans tend to come to the fore. It's quite a narrative-laden uh, award, isn't it? So again, Messi and Neymar surely have to be in contention if their teams are in the final. Um, Brazil, what, 4-1? to one. Argentina, around 6.5. Um, basically, you know, you're getting double the price on either of these two compared to their their outright nation going the whole distance and, and journey. So if you actually back both of them, you're getting around about four to one or just shy of it if you if you get your staking correct. And I don't mind either backing both of them, to be honest. I think they've both got massive shouts at, at taking it because if it's one, it's, it's probably going to be the other um, if you expect those two teams to, to flourish in this competition. The bigger price, I thought Jason was going to uh, steal it again from me, but uh, I'll name him again, Christian Eriksen. Um, if you want a narrative and Denmark go deep. It's obsessed, I mean, this man it, with Denmark. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's got to be Christian. So, um, yeah, he was 66. I see he's been shipped into about 55 to 1 now on the exchange. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you expect Denmark to be there or thereabouts, you know, threatening the semifinals, then Ericsson has to be a big shout. Uh, we're going to have daily shows, by the way, throughout the tournament. Every match day uh, we'll have a football-only better preview show. I'm expecting Mark to turn up with a kind of Lego statue of Christian Eriksen at some stage that he'll have uh, put together. That'll be uh, fun to see. Maybe that's his challenge uh, throughout the tournament. He has to slowly, show by show, build up a Christian Eriksen Lego statue. Uh, there's all kinds of ways, by the way, you can bet on the group stage, especially on the Betfair Sportsbook. Group winners, who's going to qualify, who's not going to qualify, exact order of the teams when the stage finishes, ton of specials in each group too. So I'm going to ask the guys to give me their favourite bets uh, from the group stage in that regard. I'm going to start with you, Jake. Um, I quite like Belgium at the price to win their group. Um, might be Ooh. slightly controversial because I know that I a lot of people like don't them. really... This is going to be interesting. Okay. Yeah, I, I just see Belgium as complete flat-track bullies. You know, when they're playing against lesser opponents, they generally win and win quite handily. Um, when they come up against better teams is when they start to be found out a little bit. I just thought I was surprised to see the price on the exchange at 1.85. I thought they'd be around the 1.6 mark. Um, and, and if you remember at the Euros last year, there was some really strange drifts on Belgium um, ahead of their opening couple of matches. I think against Russia and, and Denmark, there were some really strange drifts, um, which I couldn't really understand at the time. They drifted from odds, odds on to odds against in both matches. Um, and they obviously made a mockery of those prices and won, won both games. I think there's a similar thing happening here. I, I do think that um, they are being a little bit underestimated 
I don't think they're going to go deep in the tournament. Don't get me wrong, but I think they'll win this. I think they'll win the group. I think they've got more than enough um, about them to to get the better of Morocco, Canada, and Croatia. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, they are getting. Is to Croatia the, the, the worry though, Jake? Croatia's um, the concern, isn't it? Croatia, they've been playing some good stuff. Yeah, um, I, I they, they did all right at the last Euros, didn't they? And, and I think since the Euros, they've actually improved even further. Um, I also, I think Morocco deserve a mention. I think Morocco could be interesting. A um, couple of players come back. I, I, yeah, they, they could potentially cause a few problems. But I just think that this Belgium team are a little bit uh, cut above um, the, the three there. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have a little wager on them to win the group at 1.85. Like I said, I was expecting it to be around 1.67-ish. Um, so that, that would be one. I also quite like Uruguay to win Group H. Yes. Um, ahead of Portugal. Um, Uruguay, one of my sort of long shot outright tips. Uh, the price has been chipped in since. I think it was fifty to one, and now thirty threes. Um, yeah, they're 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 looking really good. They've got a really nice spine to the team. Um, a lot of what well, nice mix of youth and experience. I mean, Diego Godin somehow managed to get into the team again. Um, he must be about fifty seven. Um, but yeah, the, the 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 interesting thing looking at the data from a Uruguay perspective is that they were they were very close to being knocked out of South American qualifying. Um, sacked the manager Oscar Tavares, who who'd been in charge for what seemed like thirty years. Um, and you know, appointed a, a sort of young, un- unproven coach in Diego Alonso. And the data, obviously, they won four out of four after he took over. But um, the underlying performances were really, really positive to the point where, if we if we did a strength of schedule adjusted rating, um, again, it's a small sample size. But if we did a strength of schedule adjusted rating for the four matches after he took over, they actually ranked as the second best team in South America. Uh, now, I'm not saying that they're obviously that they are the second best team. They're not, in my opinion, they're not better than Brazil. They're not better than Argentina. But that just kind of shows you what kind of levels they were hitting. And pre, uh, you know, previous to, to the manager um, appointment, they, they actually ranked as, I think, the seventh or eighth best. So there was a big shift in terms of the underlying process. And, and you know, it, it could be a bit of a coming out party for this Uruguay team because they've got a lot of really good players that are approaching peak age. Um, you know, the, the likes of Nunes, who are obviously at, at Liverpool, Bentancourt, Valverde. Um, well, he's having so a brilliant season for Real Madrid. He really is, yeah. Um, and then uh, I can't, I, I'm probably going to butcher this pronunciation, but D. Arasquiata, is it Flamengo? Who's a uh, Mark's laughing. Do you know how to say it, Mark? <laughs> I wouldn't try, Jake. <laughs> okay, right. I get points for trying, but yeah, he, yes. he's a really, he's a really good attacking midfielder um, and creative player. So I think there's a lot to like, and, and obviously we talk about Portugal, the whole Ronaldo thing that's going around at the minute. Um, is that going to affect their preparations? That the entire att- all the attention heading up into the World Cup is just around Ronaldo once again. Um, in my opinion, he's probably the weak link in that in that starting eleven in that team. Um, I, he's a bit of a caveat at the moment because with the injuries that they've got, there isn't really anyone to replace him as the number nine with Diogo Jota out. Um, so yeah, I, I I think they're opposable Portugal, and I think Uruguay the team to do that with. Yes, I fully agree. Uh, Mark, what have you got for us? Yeah, uh, like listening to Jake because I'm going to stamp all over one of his selections. And that <laughs> I'm guessing to, it's a Belgium one, right? That is to oppose Belgium and lay them to win yeah. the group. Um, yeah. Want to be against them. So at the start of all these big tournaments, I always look at the big teams, the big favourites in each group and see who can I get against because there's always one shock, there's always a couple of upsets. Not all these big teams conquer their groups. And this feels like the most open of all of the groups, in my opinion. And, you know, just over the last three World Cups, 
these are the nations who have uh, not just failed to win their groups, but actually gone out of the tournament in the first stage. Germany, England, Spain, Italy, Portugal and France. And that's over the, just the last three World Cups. Um, so it does happen. Uh, I do feel that Belgium golden generation has faded and still carried on fading. But Roberto Martinez is reluctant to to change his squad enough. You know, we talk about those two ageing centre-halves. Well, chuck in Boyata and you've got a back three who are all playing domestic football in Belgium. They are a flat-track bully. They do come unstuck and they do fall flat when they meet teams of any standing, or they have done at least in the past sort of 18 months or so. And I do think this group creates a, a huge amount of danger for them. Uh, you talked about Croatia. They freshened up their squad. Um, they still got one of the best midfields, as midfields in the competition, but I think that centre-half, they're improved. Obviously, there's a couple of question marks in the attack, but I think they're capable of managing matches in warm conditions. And then you've got Morocco, who I really, really like. Um, basically, got the best fullback combination in the whole competition uh, in Masraoui and Hakimi. You've got a goalkeeper at Bonu who's done it, you know, at European Europa League level. Uh, El Naziri up front, huge European experience too. I know he's not the most consistent. But then you've got Ziyech back from international exile. Centre-halves of uh, Saïs and Aguiad who, of West Ham. A really nicely balanced team who come into this competition with with nothing to lose, basically, full of belief and optimism. They sacked their head coach earlier this year, uh, Halehozic, the, the Bosnian who always seems to fall out with here, there and everywhere. And uh, yeah, basically they're coming into this competition in with real high hopes, really. And I think they're going under the radar in this group. And then you've got Canada, who I think are very, very difficult to, to sort of rate because they've not been tested outside of their, their continent. They did wonderful things during qualification. And then John Herdman, you've got a, a coach who's incredibly adaptive and versatile I don't think they're going to be easy meat at all so they are definitely sort of lacking in key areas but you've got players of real potential across the midfield uh, and in forward areas too which can you know win tight matches if necessary and I think they've proved it in, in all different sort of terrains during qualification and different environments too um, and I think that's the, the beauty of CONCACAF is you get such wide and varied not just opponents but kind of a uh, weather and conditions and climate to try and overcome. And Canada did, did it with flying colours, really. Once they were qualified, they sort of let their, their foot off the gas. So they, they will be really unpredictable and they're really hard to sort of assess. Uh, I think they can be competitive. But yeah, I mean, I'm really keen on Morocco in this competition. Might look silly because of that, but uh, I think it does create dangers for Belgium. So I'm happy to sort of oppose them as odds-on favourites to win the group. Um, I mentioned on the, the show... Um, the previous show that uh, the Croatia Morocco dual forecast was nine to one. That's already come into fifteen to two. So there's been a bit of money there. Um, but I, I'm going to stop talking. The only other one I was going to wanted to mention, or I whizzed through them, was Iran to qualify, which I've already sort of talked about in depth elsewhere. Um, I just think they're being underrated and, and rated as, as sort of no hopers. And I think the the climate and conditions are massively in their favour. Playing England first up in the afternoon heat is a big advantage. Uh, playing Wales in the afternoon is an advantage too, and I don't rate the Americans. Um, and then elsewhere, there's a couple of interesting options elsewhere. You can get five to six on the sportsbook for Neymar to score two or more group stage goals, which just looks far too big if you think he's going to be key. And, and Brazil to win the group and Cameroon to fail to win the matches 13 to 10 in that pool as well. So, um, yeah, I like both of those angles. Jason, what what have you got for us? I'm, I'm with Mark on Belgium. I'm not sure about them. Uh, they've got great players. Courtois, for me, is the best goalkeeper in the world right now. But I think the, the issue with the back line, it's not just that he's sticking with Vertonghen and Alderweireld. It's that there's nobody who's really put their hand up to replace those guys. I think they were hoping that maybe Teat or obviously they've got Debast who's done pretty well, but he's completely unproven 
at this level. So anyway, we'll move beyond Belgium. What have you got for us? <laughs> well, after Mark has stumbled on it and you've just kicked it over, if there's anything left, um, <laughs> I, I, I might as well just sweep up. <laughs> <laughs> No, look, this is why I love wisdom of the crowd, and I'm not as, as strong on this after hearing the points that Jake has raised, raised about Belgium. But in terms of in terms of that particular group, I think Croatia, there's value in them back in the winner, or you can actually, if you're doing a group bet, Acta, you could get them about 4-11, to 11, and that's the leg I take out of that group. Belgium not to qualify at 5-1, I think, out of the favourites out of groups, I think Belgium and Portugal are the two that are, are really exposed, and that will not fulfill that that kind of pre-tournament expectation or finish first in their groups um I, i'm delighted that mark copped the few of the group specialists that we have up so essentially for the world cup group stages if you're just back in a single you'll get a great price on the betfair exchange but if you're looking to do an aka like pick a leg from each group for each of the eight groups we've 10 markets and we've got some like group specials in there like mark alluded to with neymar so i'll just give you a bit of my opinion on a few of the groups but combine your own ACA and pick a leg from any group, any leg out of those markets, you can combine with any other leg from another group and build some interesting ACAs. So kind of already touched on, on what we think about Belgium's group. I'd, I'd be pro-Croatia, oppose Belgium. Group H, I'd um, oppose Portugal um, for reasons outlined. Big fan of Uruguay. Um, Ghana have acquired a couple of players like Tariq Lamptey, Wamahad Salasu was is was excellent. I've had a little lead, really, really good. Um, for Southampton, even though Southampton haven't been playing great. Um Nyaki. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Naki Williams. So like they've, they've they've got a squad there as well. Young Min Son has been training with the mask, so should be fit as well. Um I'm a big fan of Valverde as well. If I don't know if you remember the Spanish Super Cup, but I was pre-COVID. Uh Atletico Madrid are through on goal to get an equaliser and he hacks down oh, Morata. Nailed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's a player you want in your team. That's that's <laughs> that's a man that's committed. Um team first. So that's what I'd say in those two groups. Um in group A, the Poi is even money to score two or more goals in the group. It's a nice, I think it's a nice interesting bet. Group B, um, I think anything could happen here. For me, this is one of the tricky, tricky ones to price. Uh, for it to finish in the exact order that it's priced up, so England first, USA second, Wales third, and Iran fourth is only as short as four to one. I wouldn't be touching that, but like I think England will qualify but not do well. So you could have a look at England exactly four points or exactly five points at 11 to two or six to one, and um, being interesting, you know, to England to get through eventually but not be super convincing. Uh, Group C, I like Poland at slightly odds on. Um, they haven't got out of group stage in the last three major tournaments. Whereas Mexico in the World Cup seven times have gotten out of group stage, but never beyond the last 16. I think we're going to see that trend book. Poland get out of group stage and Mexico not actually get out of group stage this time. Poland slightly odds on. I'd be sticking them in, in a group bet in ACA. Denmark to win group D. I think there's value in that. And Spain to win group E. There's no surprises there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the matchup against Germany, they'll go off fabs. You'll get you'll get a reasonable odds on price on Spain to win the group. And I'd, I'd quite happily include that in the ACAs as well. Okay, I, I forgot to mention one of them actually, which was uh, in Group C, uh, which is the Argentina, Poland, uh, Mexico, Saudi Arabia group. It's ten to eleven. Argentina win the group, and Saudi Arabia fail to win a match, which feels nice. Wow! Um, Saudi Arabia are a lot better than they were four years ago. They got a great head coach in Herb Renard, but they are limited. They are fielding a, a team which is entirely based home based as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be tricky for them. That's a great bet. Well, uh, every day of the first week of the World Cup. 
will be offering a completely free £2 bet builder. Maximum of one free £2 bet per customer per day applies to any bet builder on any World Cup game from the 20th to the 26th of November. Minimum combined odds 1.5. Eligibility criteria and T's and C's apply. Time to drill down to the weird and wonderful world of the odds on that market where you, our delightful fans, can request a bet, see if it makes it onto the Betfair Sportsbook. For example, Tip Man asked for Jude Bellingham to score at least one goal. Kevin De Bruyne to get at least two assists and Lautaro Martinez to score at least two goals. That comes out at 11-2. to two. So what do we have? Jake, I'll start with you. Um, there's one that caught my eye. It was 66-1, to one, so <clears throat> it's a chunky price. Um, it's, again, following the South American theme. Argentina to win the World Cup, Messi to win the Golden Ball and Alisson to win the Golden Glove. Um, I think we, we've outlined the reasons why we think that Argentina and Brazil are going to do quite well. Um, if Argentina get far, then we can expect um, uh, Messi to, to you know pick up the gong. That's very narrative driven. It's his last World Cup, etc. Uh, and then I, I don't think Brazil are going to concede too many goals at this tournament for for the reasons I outlined earlier. The, the data and, and the you know the underlying performances that they've been putting up have been absolutely sensational. So. Um, add that to the fact that they've got arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, you know, generally think that the Golden Glove could go towards Allison. So 66 to 1 looks a little bit on the big side for me. Yeah, good bet with the South American flavour. Mark? Um, I'd I had four, but my, my sexy one has been chopped in half, which is annoying. <laughs> so, um... Sorry, I really hope. I really hope nobody clips that out. So you're just saying my sexy one has been chopped in half because <laughs> that could have serious ramifications uh, for the company and for you. So hopefully uh, that hasn't been just clipped up. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. The, carry the on. sexy one was, was 300 to one. It was one or more goal and one or more card in every match at the World Cup. Uh, it's now 150 to one. Uh, so um, it's not going to win. It's one of those you just put on for a bit of, a bit of beer money bit of interest there's almost always a nil nil in the competition uh, if not multiple but i thought 300 to one was too big and it seems like jason and his mates agree because they've chopped it so um <laughs> 11 to 8 uh four or more corners in every match at the world cup which seems nice considering we've only got 64 games and the normal hit rate for, for four or more corners in a in a standard league tends to be around 97 98 percent um, and that's obviously over a much much bigger stretch than just uh, 64 games at a world cup uh, the average number of corners per league or per competition tends to be between 9 and 11 so just to ask for four or more uh, feels achievable um, obviously 11 to 8 is not the biggest uh, getting bigger though 6 to 1 on one or more card in every match at the World Cup uh, over the last four World Cups we've had 256 games played 252 of those have featured at least one card so that's just four fixtures ending without a booking at all uh, in 2014 and 2006 every game produced a card and you'd have a 6-1 winner I think that's worthy of a small interest and similar to Jake really uh, on the Argentina theme but taking it a different place Argentina to win the World Cup Messi to win the Golden Boot and the Golden Ball you presume if he wins the Golden Boot he should probably win the Golden Ball as well that's 40-1 to one. So, Jason, now that you've chopped Mark's sexy one in half, uh, we need your contributions. Thank you. Um, yeah, well, just to say, look, it's the biggest sporting event of the year. Um, every four years, like, there's nothing tops the World Cup. So, first and foremost, enjoy it. You know, football is a low-scoring sport. Upsets will happen. There's no guarantee with any bet. So, enjoy it first and foremost. You don't always have to have a bet. Uh, but if you are, 
we've given you some really interesting angles and guides here. And with the with these odds on that, there's a couple of interesting bets. And Mark's already alluded to a few there. So for me, what I'd be tipping up is 20 to 1 for a goal in every group stage game. And you can get 40 to 1 for a goal in every game of the tournament. And as long as there's no nil-nils, that bet keeps running and could become quite interesting moving into the knockout stages and beyond. But look, just enjoy the World Cup. And it's amazing because Brazil are rightly favourites. 15% chance, 20% chance to win it now according to the Betfair Exchange. Costa Rica are only like 7% chance to get out of their group. If Costa Rica get out of their group, and Brazil win the World Cup. Does that mean Costa Rica, that's a bigger achievement? And we should be talking about Carissa, Costa Rica come the end of the tournament. I yes. don't know. <laughs> exactly. This is it. Well, like, we've done it before. If you if you think back, Costa Rica have had an amazing run in the tournament before, haven't they? Exactly. So, like, there's going to be some really great, interesting narratives and stories and just can't wait for it. But just have, enjoy your betting if it adds to the entertainment for it. And if there's a couple of prices that we've picked out, you know, absolutely, fingers crossed, they'll click as well. I'm looking forward very much to ordering my Kalor Navas tattoo uh, for the week after the tournament ends. Uh, don't forget to sign up, by the way, for our exclusive World Cup newsletter that's delivered every day to your inbox with all of the best insight and tips. Go to betting.betfair.com to sign up. And while you're there, there's loads of good preview content ahead of the World Cup and other sports as well. Now, the opening game is on Sunday. The hosts, Qatar, take on Ecuador. South American side, the 2.44 favourites here with Qatar 3.6. Mark, we know that Qatar have had a long run-up to the tournament. We know that they've been in training camp for a long, long time. They've got a coach who has worked with them for a long time as well and has actually worked within the Qatari setup for a long time. What chance do you give them of making a decent start here? I give them a chance, of course. Um, opening game of the World Cup, where you know the host nation has never lost it. Um, I guess the the sort of caveat to that is the fact that South Africa, bar them, most of the host nations have been relatively strong favourites. You'd assume going into those first games because it's been traditionally held in in countries um, who have got a, a rich history in this competition. But South Africa went off. Um, a similar-ish, probably slightly shorter price from Qatar uh, on Sunday when they hosted Mexico and everyone was writing them off as being no-hopers. They scraped a 1-1 draw and performed pretty well on that occasion. So clearly there's pressure on Qatar to start strongly and put on a performance. But there's huge pressure on Ecuador as well coming into this game because you know, ask the man in the street and they'll tell you, you know, Qatar are rubbish and, and shouldn't even be in the competition. So, you know, there's, there's a fair level of expectation now in the South Americans to go there and, and put on a show. And I think the prices are probably about right and fair. Uh, I think Ecuador deserve to be favourites, but their form has deserted them a little bit over the last 12 months or so. And if you look at the qualifying campaign, they only won twice away from Quito, which is their home base at altitude. One of those victories was 12 months ago away at Chile, uh, who had a man sent off inside the opening 15 minutes. And that is the last occasion that Ecuador scored multiple goals in the game. The goals have really dry up, dried up, really. So defensively, they are pretty strong. But going forward, there is a, an asterisk there, a question mark, really, to suggest, you know, are they good enough to to pile on the pressure and, and actually convert some of their key opportunities that they have been created? They only scored five open play goals in nine away games through qualification. So that is a slight concern, really, about Ecuador and you know, if there is a, a no-bet game, this might be it. Um, it traditionally tends to be quite low scoring in the opening game of a World Cup. I think 10 of the last 14 have gone unders. Um, eight of those produced no more than one goal. Uh, obviously, four years ago, Russia 
blew out uh, against Saudi Arabia, but that's a, a kind of special case, really. And I do expect this to be pretty tight and competitive, actually. And you can see that in the markets. You know, unders is trading at sort of 1.55. The draw is only around 3.15. The gold expectancy is 2.1. So um, if, if I had to be involved in those kind of markets, I'd probably look towards the draw under two and a half goals at 23 to 10 on the sports book. But um, I think this is the kind of match which does open itself to alternative opportunities. Um, I think we haven't got the referee's name yet, but that'll be really interesting because if you get a, a tame European like Clement Turpan, you could be looking at undercards. Uh, Betfair already got the prices up at the minute and they're looking at sort of around a three and a half line. Um, I think you could go under four and a half and combine it with an under goal angle uh, if you do get a positive appointment in terms of Turpin or even Michael Oliver, someone like that. But uh, I've gone a bit digging really for this game because I do think it does offer an opportunity to have a bigger price. And the Ecuador centre-half, Felix Torres, um, is pretty commanding in both boxes. He's six foot two, but he's a huge threat from dead ball situations. Two goals and 16 caps doesn't look like the, the most impressive record, but in the club game, he's averaging a goal every 10 matches or so. He's 14 to 1 to score on the sportsbook at any time, which really does appeal. Um, I do think Ecuador can be uh, or can be quite dangerous from set-piece situations against a, a fairly lightweight Qatari team. Um, you think they could possibly out-muscle and out-physical them, really. So, out-physical, that's not even a word. But um, yeah. <laughs> You're allowed to make up your own words, Mark. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that might be a potential weakness for Qatar and an area of strength for, for Ecuador. So, 14-1 to to score at any time. Felix Torres, he's evens just to have a shot in the match as well. But why not swing at the 14-1 to instead? He's evens just to have a shot. It doesn't even have to be on target. Yeah, ah, interesting stuff. Uh, Jason, what have you got for us? Yeah, well, we spoke about teams having lack of preparation for this World Cup and it being a big factor, but Qatar have had about 12 years of preparation for this game and they've been in their own training camp since June. So home advantage is massive. It'll apply to one team for this World Cup fully, which will be Qatar. So I can understand why... I'd be reluctant at the prices to get with Ecuador. So the way I'd be approaching it is I'd still fancy Ecuador as the better team to get a result because they just are to come out at difficult South American qualifying group. They've had some reasonably good performances against um, Brazil and Argentina. They've, they've taken a bit of a spanking off them as well at times too. But I'd back, it's not a match bet, I'd back Ecuador to qualify from the group at a slightly shorter than win price for this match. So at about five to four to qualify. And my thinking behind that is if they win the match, then you've already got that in it and that price will really come down, which will be great. But if they draw or even fail to win the match, they're a pick and price against Senegal in the last game. And I think your bet to qualify will last till the last game at the very least with the doubts over Sadio Mane. So you'll have to wait a little bit longer for it, but to get Ecuador on side for Sunday, I'd be going with Ecuador to qualify at five to four. Um, we've a new markets for for the World Cup. Uh, players to commit one or two fouls in the games, uh, so you can add them to your bet builder. Is that called the Marco Hare market, by the way? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So Moises Casido, um, he, he's going to try and out physical a lot of these Qataris. Yes, um, he's five to six <laughs> to commit two or more fouls, and Ecuador. Even in their friendly games, their their foul committed rate is through the roof. Like for any team, they're just way above the average. So it's very hard to see every team. Like it's, I'd have to say it's a real team effort to research all these teams. We've this guy doesn't do content, so I won't mention his name. But like he's been looking at Qatar games on YouTube. He's been finding out who's on set pieces, who's taking the corners, all to try and get the pricing as accurate as possible. 
But I haven't seen all of Ecuador's games far from it. But just looking at their fouls committed stats, it's just crazy. They really yeah. are an aggressive and out physical team. So they are. So it might say to at five to six, commit two or more fouls if you're doing a bet builder for Sunday. I think that's a really strong one to put in. Excellent. We've got a bit of violence in there. Jake, what have you got for us? Um, I just quite like the look of both teams to score no in this game. Just opposing both teams to score. I mean, Mark's already said that the goal line's really low. <clears throat> so generally when the goal line's low, you know, both teams to score no should be fairly low as well. But you could probably get around 1.75 on the exchange. It's 1.77 currently. Um, and I, I'd, I'd make that a bet. You know, Ecuador kept six clean sheets or clean sheets in six success, successive matches. That was a real mouthful. That was that. danger. Okay. Yeah, yeah we got really through was. that. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and in yeah, Qatar, I, I don't, you know, they, they'll be up for this. They'll be, they'll be ready. Um, but also know that you know, this, this is kind of a must not lose game. Um, I think, as Jason said, in the, in the to qualify market, it's very tight between Ecuador and Senegal. So if you lose this game, then effectively you would imagine that their World Cup could be over with Netherlands and Senegal heading up. So, I think it'll be very tight and cagey. Ecuador, they don't score a lot of goals. Um, they've scored twice in the last seven. So, um, you know, they keep a lot of clean sheets, don't score a lot of goals themselves. Um, and I think it'll be a very tight and cagey game. So both teams to score no just look like a, a really smart bet around 1.77. You might even be able to get matched at 1.8 if there's some generous guy out there. Well, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We're going to have shows on every match day throughout the tournament. Our World Cup preview with Glenn Hoddle and Patrice Evra is available to watch on our YouTube channel and through betting.betfair.com. And there are plenty of other great shows on the Betfair network as well. We've got Racing Only Better, the Wade In podcast, NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better. As well, from Jason, from Jake, from Mark, and from me, it's goodbye for now.